0: You know, it's cool to see is, uh, as so many of you are part of our 1245 service. Many of you went and got lunch and came back. It's good to have you back. That's fair, it's fine. It's all good. Well, hey, just one more time, I wanna introduce our guest uh, with us today, who's now no longer a guest, they're just family here. And and uh, we have been so appreciative of your ministry and your word here, Christine Kane. It's been absolutely unbelievable. Um, Christine Kane's the uh, the founder of A21, a uh, ministry that works in rescuing women from trafficking all across the world. She'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, She is the founder of Propel which uh, is a, a, an unbelievable cohort of women being raised up into leadership and their voice being used within ministry, absolutely amazing. She is a champion of the local church and has been doing so for many, 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 many years. She's an advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. Uh, she is a wife, she is a mom, and so many other things, but here's what I've loved about watching Christine Kane up close and from a distance is that she is a passionate follower of Jesus and she loves the local church. And I can't tell you that there's not another person that I would rather have here on Palm Sunday today ministering to our church body than Christine Kane. So would you please do me a massive favor? Would you stand to your feet? And come on, would you give honor where honor is due? Can we put our hands together one more time for Christine Kane? Thanks, mate. are awesome.
1: How you doing? You can be seated. You all? I just We have got to thank God for this incredible worship team. Honestly, y'all are amazing. I thought they were going to take us into orbit today. I thought you were going to spin up into that. It was so amazing. And, um, you know, and I've watched them for three services, and it just got more and more intense as it went on. And um, I would be very nervous if I was the devil after that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was like next level. What a phenomenal team. And I'm so glad you all are here and you came back. And I'm laughing because, okay, cameras now, quick photos now, and then away. Okay, so so we could focus. Um, You know, I'm so grateful that uh, you came back and see, look, we're three services to the back walls. That's why I'm saying we need a new building. Your pastor hyperventilated when I said we need a bigger building. He's like, we just finished this. Like, we just... (laughs) He was having cardiac arrest back there. And um, we, you know, had to put the things back on him to jumpstart him. But I'm like, where is your faith? I've been preaching faith all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of little faith. <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. So I love you all. And if this is your first time here today, um, I'm so grateful. you like, we're normal. This is rowdy on uh, the 1245. You're like the hangover crowd, aren't you? So <laughs> I know Utah theoretically doesn't have one, but you do. And um, <laughs> And if they're going to go to church anywhere, it's going to be the world. So God bless you. And we are so grateful. This is exactly who we want. So if you haven't been home yet, God bless you. And we're glad you're here. Anybody's welcome here. This is the place where you're going to find it. You can tell I'm very comfortable here by the third service, can't you? It's absolutely it. So if you turn with me to the book of Luke and we're going to, you know, if you've been following today, I started this morning um, talking about The need to not drift. And so I hope that somehow you're going to get that teaching from this morning from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter. Uh, chapter two, verses one to four, about that you and I ought to pay much closer attention in this day and hour, and truly we should, lest we too drift, the scripture says, from so great a salvation. We're seeing a lot of drift happening on the earth and a lot of drift happening uh, from the church. Don't freak out about it. Um, You know, the Lord told us that only those things that can be shaken will be shaken, so that those things that cannot be shaken shall remain. So yes, there's a reckoning, And yes there's a shaking but if you're anchored you don't have to freak out we could get sad because we're thinking man some people are being shaken that we never thought would be shaken so the disappointment don't confuse disappointment with people with disillusionment with God Uh, because God is extremely faithful so yes we are in a season where a lot of us our hearts are being broken by going man why did they bail or why did they fail or why did they but let's never get in the place of being God let God be God he's a very good judge Uh, we don't need to be God Uh, let's make sure we pay heed to our own lives, lest we also drift. I would take in this moment of reckoning, I keep going, I think the people that are throwing stones, I'm like, you, everyone should be on their face right now. Uh, this is a time where we go inwards and we say, Father, search me, try me, see if there's any evil way within me. Um, and you know, I haven't got that much time to throw a rock at someone else by the time I'm done with myself and the Holy Spirit's done with us. So if you do, you're holy, that's awesome. And obviously you don't come to the 1245 normally. <laughs> because this is, this is for the real people. <laughs> this is the 1245, it's the, the real people service. And then we spoke about a marvelous faith and the kind of faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel in the last service. And that's what we're going to need to do because the faith that causes Jesus to marvel normally causes people to mock. And so you've got to be willing to be mocked by people to marvel. God. And so um, it's that's not going to get any easier. Now that's though where the fun starts, because that's called like real Christianity. Um, who wants sort of like lukewarm beige kind of Christian cultural blah? So that's like, you know, if you're selling out for that, there's like better stuff than that there, which is the real deal stuff, but the people who think you're cray cray, so that's okay. Also, the world is cray cray, have you noticed that? Like people have just lost their minds. So just a little note for free, just because everyone around you is cray cray, doesn't mean you have to be. So that's it, just take that where you want it. And so we're going from not drifting to marvelous faith. Um, what we are going to do now is not look back. So everyone say, don't look back. We're gonna go to, I love that American accent, don't look back, okay, don't, we won't. Uh, Luke, I don't want today to end, this is great. Luke 17, go with me to Luke 17, 20 to 37. The scripture says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, I've saved the best to last. So you're gonna have to tell all of your backslidden friends that didn't come back for the third. I deliberately saved it. Uh, They've missed out. So the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. But first, He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. I, are you all glad you've come to church so far? Some of you are thinking like, "Are we having an acid trip, right? We're back now to Noah and the world ending and Sodom and Gomorrah and everyone's like, "My gosh, is she about to pull out ch- and talk about the end times and like everyone is freaking out right now you're thinking they've locked the doors and here we go so I'm with you but on the day when um so will it be on that day when the son of man is revealed on that day let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down and take them away and likewise let the one who is in the field not turn back remember Lot's wife whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it but whoever loses his life will keep it i tell you in that night there will be two in one bed one will be taken and the other left and i I tell nick all the time i am not going to be left behind he can do whatever he wants Um, i'm not going to be left behind there will be two women grinding together one will be taken and the other left and they said to him where lord he said to them where the corpse is there the vultures will gather this is the word of the lord and you're excited and so It's like, oh, well, she saved this one to the third one. So in this discourse, Jesus is having a discussion about the end times. It's an eschatological discourse when I speak words, but he's like he's talking about the end times. He's talking about the kingdom that's already here. He's here. So the kingdom has arrived. Jesus is here, but it's not yet fully realized and we know that you go how do you know the kingdom's not fully here well because there's still cancer on the earth there's still a war happening right now there is still poverty and hunger and pain and the bible says when 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 that day comes you know there's not going to be any more crying there's not going to be any more pain there's not going to be any more sickness there's not going to so we still know that although jesus has come the kingdom is here it's not fully realized yet so we are the part of the church that is here in between the two advents of Christ. He's already come, but He's coming back. And so, you know, some people that think we're just gonna fix all the earth, it's not gonna happen in our own strength. I say this as someone that fights human trafficking on a global scale. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I thought it was all up to us because it wouldn't happen. I know one day Jesus will come back. There'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth and there will be no more trafficking and no more crime and no more pain and no more suffering. And that keeps me going. But Jesus is explaining this in between. Already, not yet. It's a weird place to live we all live there. And he's talking about when he's going to come back and what does it all even mean? And you know, here's what I'm saying to you. I have not a clue what he's talking about in that passage that I just read to you. So I hope that makes you feel really encouraged about the kind of speakers that your pastors bring to take the pulpit in this church. And I certainly have got no idea when the date, time that Jesus is coming back. So all those people that are giving you the date and time on Facebook are lying uh, because the Scripture tells you nobody knows. Jesus says no. So this is my whole end time theology. I haven't got a clue when, but He is coming back. So that's all I know. He's coming back when, no clue. So all the weirdos that are saying weirdo stuff, you know, just <laughs> scroll past, scroll past. Bless and block is the best. <laughs> for free it's the anointing of the block and bless anointing okay that was worth coming to church for so why did i just read you 17 verses of what i haven't got a clue what he's talking about because what i found so weird which always cracks me up and it's so good is that in the middle of this discourse about the end time that is like so cryptic and i mean we're pulling out sodom and gomorrah we're pulling out now i mean it's all happening jesus drops in three little words in chapter 17, verse 32, just out of nowhere. It seems like so random. I'm like reading this and he's like, remember Lot's wife. I'm like, okay. Sentence before it, nothing to do with it. Sentence after it, nothing to do with it. Second shortest verse in the Bible. What's the shortest verse? You are such a well-taught church. Unbelievable, deep, deep, that's it. So Bible trivia, Jesus wept, first obviously shortest verse in the Bible. Second shortest verse, for those of you that didn't know, now you know, is Luke seventeen thirty two. Remember Lot's wife. I'm like, remember Lot's wife? How random. How random. Like I've done chicks ministry for a lot of years. I'm old, so three decades of chicks ministry. In fact, I stayed first in youth ministry for 15 sologies because I never wanted to graduate to women's miseries. And so it was like, who wants to do women's miseries? God help me. Everywhere I would turn up like these depressed old women. I'm like, no, I'm not going to become that. At least you could stay in youth and you're allowed to be radical. So that was why I stayed. But anyway, the Lord has a sense of humor and now that's what I do. And so, but a lot of years of chicks ministry and, You know, it's interesting that in all four Gospels, there's only a certain amount of red letters that we have, words actually spoken by Jesus that we have recorded. So in light of kind of eternity, there's not a whole lot. So three words that are in red by Jesus are probably really important statistically because we don't have that many. He's not got throwaway phrases. So I'm sitting there going, remember Lot's wife. That is the only woman in Scripture that Jesus ever tells us to remember. It's the only woman. So fascinating. He tells us that we will remember the deed. Remember the woman that poured out all of the perfume? He says, What she has done will be remembered. Didn't say, Remember this woman. He said, What she has done will be remembered. That's the only other closest thing. The only woman out of the about 170 women mentioned in Scripture, there is only one that Jesus to, tells us to remember. And I, I find that fascinating. Like, why one? I've been to so many women's conferences. I've never heard a, a, confer- a sermon on. Lot's wife. I've been in church for 35 years. I've never heard a Sunday message on Lot's wife. And yet Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. I'm like, preacher, you forgot Lot's wife. <laughs> Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Now, if I was Eve, I would be ticked off. <laughs> because I'm like, what do you mean remember Lot's wife? What about me? The poor chick, she's like, I've been getting the blame for everything in all of history for the last like thousands of years. Like, what about me? You know, if I was like, Like, I don't know, Sarah, I'd be ticked off. It's like I popped out a kid at 90 without an epidural. I'm like, like, what are you going on about? What about me? I'd be like, seriously, you know, if I was Deborah, I'm like, I was the only female judge in Israel and I arose and we know I only arose because no man did and you know, it's another sermon. I mean, I'd be if I was Miriam. I'd be like ticked off. She was the first worship leader chick. I mean, Miriam cracks me up. They're coming out of slavery in Egypt. The Red Sea's parting. She's like, "Hang on a minute. I just got to grab a tambourine." And like, who thinks I'm grabbing a tambourine out of Egypt because we're gonna have a praise party on the other side? I'm like, "Yo, I, I don't know." I'm like, Miriam is the chick. I'm like, okay. I mean, well, look. At the very least, I'd be ticked off if I was Mary. I'm like, I'm your mother. I'm like, I'm your mother. You didn't even say to remember your mother. Now that's going to disturb at least one very big denomination in the church. So anyway, so the thing is, we're not remembering, don't remember all of these chicks. And Jesus goes, Lot's wife. I'm like, Lot's wife. Okay, so you're talking about the end times. You've got all this stuff going on and then you drop Lot's wife. So I go to Genesis 9 because I think, okay, what do I know about Lot's wife? I mean, the chick's got the shortest bio in history. It's like, who are you? Lot's wife. That's it. Lots wife. We don't even know her name, poor woman. Like, Lot's wife, that's it. That's not going to work in 2022. Man, we've had, we're post feminists like we, we, we know the chick's name. And so we're like, what is your name? So I go to Genesis 19 to read, because that's where we read about Lot's wife and Lot. And it's just a very, very problematic scripture. Deeply painful. But I do love this about the scriptures. It's a lot of stuff is very hard to read in the Bible. Um, but the Bible doesn't sugarcoat stuff. So it's a a chapter of deep pain when, um, you know, a lot in the way he treated his daughters and the abuse that was going on. I mean, the the, the scripture is very clear. And you've got to understand the difference between descriptive scriptures and prescriptives. There are certain things that in the Bible like you need to follow this because this is true and right and this is what you need to do. And there's other things in the Bible that are so deeply disturbing that is describing something extremely wrong that happened, and that shouldn't be repeated. And so you need to hear this loud and clear. In Scripture, that abuse is always wrong. There, it's never okay. God is never saying it's okay. What He's doing is showing this is something that has been in sinful humanity from the beginning of time. Women being mistreated and abused. It's deeply, deeply challenging. But I thank God that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat stuff and says this is, this is not okay. This is just describing something that has happened and thank God in 2022, we're making a lot of progress um, to move on from that. But in the midst of that scripture, we get then to Genesis 19, and which is about the only thing we know in the whole scripture, about what happens to this woman, to Lot's wife. So in Genesis 19, verses 15 to 26, I'm just gonna read 16 and 17. I'm gonna read just a couple so we can move on in. It says, when the angel of the Lord came, he came to rescue, he said to Lot, look, God's done, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the sin, we always think, and this is partly true, that the great sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is iniquity, and um, is immorality and sexual immorality and sexual perversion, that is 100% true. And you know, I rescue the victims of human trafficking, so I can't even begin to tell you about the evil of pornography and sexual perversion and abuse and what that does. So much of that drives human trafficking on the earth today. The dark web, children taken and sold for sex and filmed and all of that. So Sodom and Gomorrah, that kind of sexual perversion and immorality and abuse has been prevalent throughout. I'm not saying it's right, I'm just saying it's part of fallen human nature. So all of that is is deeply disturbing and it's true, there was a lot of sexual immorality. But Ezekiel 1649 says the sin of your sister Sodom is, let me read this to you because it is so sobering. Some of you probably have skipped over this. I want you to hear what the ultimate sin, and I've just pulled that scripture out of my head, so I'm hoping that it's correct. And, you know every scripture in the Bible is fantastic, and it's all true. I'm just hoping the one that I'm about to read is true about what I'm actually saying to you. <laughs> That's all I'm just saying to you, and I'm hoping that my husband is at least Googling. Uh, there it is. I got it. it. I got it right. Ezekiel sixteen forty nine. It says, it, "You know, Doctor Google is the best theologian. <laughs> not, not Ezekiel sixteen forty nine. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom." I want you to hear this. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food and prosperous ease. Pride, excess of food and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. That's actually the sin of Sodom. So yes, sexual immorality, but pride and arrogance, prosperous ease, I've got everything, and it's all for me, and comfort, I don't wanna be challenged. Sounds like a lot of the church nowadays, doesn't it? Pride, prosperous ease and comfort, but did not aid the poor and the needy. That was the sin of Sodom. And the Lord goes, I'm done. And there it is. And so in the midst of all of that, the Lord says, I'm gonna save Lot and his wife. So we pick it up in Genesis 19, but he lingered in verse 15. But he lingered. So Lot lingered. I mean, isn't this crazy? There's an angel of the Lord coming to rescue him. The city's burning down, but he lingered. So many of us linger. At times we should be moving forward. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. I mean, he was literally touched by an angel, literally. The Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back. Everyone say, do not look back. There's one, one request here, one command do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley, escape to the hills, lest you be slept, swept away. Then, Genesis 19 26, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and became a pillar of salt. So, the only thing we know in Genesis 19 about Lot's wife in all of scripture is but Lot's wife behind him looked back. Jesus in Luke 17 in the New Testament is going, remember Lot's wife in the midst of discussion about the end times. And I'm sitting here looking at the days and the hour in which we live today, and I would wonder whether there is an emphasis of God in this hour to say to His church, hey, remember the words of Jesus, it's time to remember Lot's wife. It's time to remember Lot's wife. What is it that we know about Lot's wife? We know that she was told, don't look back, and she looked back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. And Scripture says in the Amplified, when she looked back, she looked back, it was with a longing, it was with a lingering, she stopped and she longed for something that was back there, whether it was the prosperous ease, whether it was her house that she just decorated, whether it was her extended family and friends and memories and all the life that she had built. I don't know what it was, but the one thing that God said was, don't look back. And she looked back. And at that moment, she became calcified. She became stuck in the one place that she was meant to pass through. And the fact is the church, for the last couple of years, all we've been saying is, man, before the pandemic, in 2019, before all of this, and it would be time for the church to say, hey, stop looking back, because if you keep looking back. You're going to get stuck right now. You're going to get calcified right now. It's going to stop in this place right now. This would be a really good time for the church to remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Don't don't look back. It's amazing how many conversations I've had. So many people. It's, It's like we're not even in 2022, especially in the church world. It's like, man, our 2019 numbers. I'm like, we're not in 2019. Before the pandemic, so many people, man, my business before the pandemic. Oh, if if only that didn't happen. If if only this didn't happen. And it's like our whole litmus, we've become stuck. And it's interesting to me that she became a, a pillar of salt You and I are called the salt of the world in Matthew 5, and we're not supposed to be stuck in one place, calcified. We're supposed to take that salt into the future of where Jesus is leading us so that we can salt a world around us. And Jesus is like, well, everything's burning around you. Don't get stuck. Don't look back with a longing and a lingering of what there was, it's time to move on. And we've been so scared to say that for so long because we've all been in a period of grief and lament. And I'm saying there is appropriate grieving and there is appropriate lamenting, but there is also an appropriate time to say, remember Lot's wife and it's time to get moving and it's time to stop looking back and it's time to move on. It is amazing to me, anyone ever been stuck? I remember in Australia, we uh, have the Daintree Rainforest and we were in a four-wheel drive once and it was just so dumb, we hadn't thought about anything. And we went into the Daintree Rainforest in the middle of the wet season. And I remember our Jeep coming down, man, we are having so much fun coming down this ra- And then it just got, bogged in this thing. And we just kept pressing the accelerator like really dumb people and press it, and the wheels just kept spinning and we just kept getting in dig- deeper and deeper and deeper, couldn't get the car out, we were stuck. And at the moment there's been a lot of wheels spinning in the church. Man, if I just press that accelerator, if I could just keep going faster, doing what I did and the wheels are just spinning. And now we're not moving in so many areas of our life. And we gotta remember Lot's wife because some of us, it's time to get unstuck. Some of us, we've gotten stuck in our offences. We've gotten stuck in our bitterness. We've gotten stuck in our anger. We've gotten stuck in our unforgiveness. We've gotten stuck in our disappointment. We've gotten stuck in our disillusionment. We've gotten stuck in that marriage that didn't work. We've gotten stuck in the fact that we never got married and that's all we had wanted from God. We've gotten stuck in the fact that we were hoping that dream would open up and that opportunity never came. We've gotten stuck in the fact that we were betrayed by someone or we were hurt by someone, and we have just gotten stuck and our wheels are spinning. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's time to remember Lot's wife. God's got us. A whole bunch of us are just sort of stuck and hoping. Do you remember the, the, the disciples were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus was walking with them and they're saying to Jesus, they're not even knowing that they're talking to Him and they're going, we had hoped He was the one. And some of us, we've gotten stuck because man, we had hoped, we'd hoped that pandemic would be over quicker. We'd hoped that marriage would make it. We'd hoped that kid wouldn't have fallen away. We hoped that business wouldn't have busted. We had hoped that ministry opportunity would happen. We had hoped that I wouldn't go back to that addiction. I had hoped and it was just so many hopes. And then we had so many misplaced hopes. And then when our hopes didn't deliver because idols never deliver. All that has been unveiled in the last few years is where our hopes were in what idols, and we wanted an idol to do for us what only God can do. We expected to get from people what we could only get from God. And when people disappointed us, we confused that with God. When people betrayed us, we thought it was God betraying us. When people disillusioned us, we thought it was God doing it. And God's like, I'm walking right here with you. I've never left you nor forsaken you. I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You had just misplaced. Your hope—you just misplaced your hope, and so we gotten stuck in that disappointment or stuck in that betrayal. And Jesus is like, I- I- "I'm still here." I remember when we first, you know, had the pandemic, and um, on day one we had 19 offices, 16 countries around the world, and I would call those meetings our upper Zoom room meetings, um, because I thought if you can have an upper room in the book of Acts, we're gonna have an upper Zoom uh, for however long this is gonna last. So we're gonna have the upper Zoom. And I remember right from the outset of the upper Zoom meetings, the first scripture I read them, right as soon as this, and at that point, nobody knew what was gonna happen. And um, you know, all of the world except for Texas and Utah and Florida were having a pandemic. And so (laughs) some of you, Some of you are are not not aware of where the rest of the world has been, but I just wanted to bring you up to speed. And so as we were, were there, I would read from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 12, it says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope, and I will restore to you double. Now, The fact is, of course, the children of Israel were in bondage, in slavery, in exile in Babylon for 70 years, and then they came back to Jerusalem and they thought, because we all had hoped, that when they came back, the temple would be flourishing. The city walls would be protecting them and their enemies would have fled. but they came back and the temple was decimated. The city walls were in rubble and they were surrounded by their enemies. So the prophet's saying, look, you were 70 years in exile, prisoners in Babylon. So now that you're back in Jerusalem, you're gonna to have to become prisoners of hope, which of course in the New Testament, New Covenant believers, Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure. And I said to our team, we all cannot choose the fact that we're prisoners of sorts right now, that we're in lockdown all over the world. We can't go to our offices. At that point, it was right at the beginning in March 2020. We don't even know what is gonna happen. I said, but although we can't choose the fact that we are prisoners, we can choose the kind of prisoners that we're gonna be. And we are not gonna be prisoners of fear or prisoners of doubt or prisoners of unbelief. We are going to be prisoners of hope. And then most of our staff are, are millennials around the world. So I said to them, you know, because they wouldn't know what this is, I said, I want you to write this down. So you need to go and find something called a paper. And I need you to go and find something called a pen. And I want you to write this down from that scripture. And they wrote down the word double. I said, and I'm believing. I said, because see, Nick and I, we're not flinching in this moment because we, we know this God, this God is the one that brought us, it wasn't my blue check mark on my Instagram account that actually gave me faith, is before anybody knew anything and there was any public profile, I had plenty of private intimacy with Jesus and that's what's brought us here. I said, so I believe that you're now going to see the God that we know and how He's gonna provide in a time of famine, in a pandemic, in a time while the world is losing its mind, we are gonna dig deeper into the Lord and we're gonna be prisoners of hope. And I said, I want you to write the word double and I want you to stick it. And of course, everyone's at home. And I said, where you're going to be most frequently during this home period, so put it on your refrigerator. And what we are going to do is we're gonna go and we're going to uh, look at this. And I said, at the end of this, I don't know where this is going or what's gonna happen, but I'm believing that we're gonna have double the amount of prosecutions, we're gonna have double the amount of victims rescued, we're gonna have double the amount of partners, we're gonna have double the amount, and you know what, by God's grace, I mean, I'm talking to you now, it's April 2022, but we have never had more survivors in our care in the history of A21 than we have now. We have never seen more breakthroughs come through. Why? Because, Instead of freaking out online with everybody else, we became prisoners of hope in Jesus. And was Jesus faithful? Yes. What can I tell you about the pandemic? He walked with us every day. I just wasn't gonna be like the disciples in Emmaus that missed who he was. So as we walk into the future, that's my hope. I don't have a five-year plan, but I've got a Jesus plan. And I know that He promises to never leave. Listen, the one thing I've become during the pandemic, I've become like a hallmark Pinterest Christian. I was like, I used to like roll my eyes at those little Christian floral sayings, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'd read it like, oh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus will never leave you. And like, you know, I used to like roll my eyes and I think, Low, no, I want something in the Hebrew or the Aramaic or the Greek, you know, by some scholar. Nowadays, I'm like, oh, thank you, God, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you, God, that you are the same yesterday, today. Day and forever I'm so grateful I'm so grateful so where's your hope because is your hope in what you feel like you lost or that was taken from you so you're bitter and angry at God and every other person because that marriage didn't work out or that business deal didn't work out or that ministry opportunity didn't happen or perhaps you were hurt by somebody or something happened and you are so stuck looking back that you're missing the fact that Jesus is with you and leading you on into the future that He has for you and the promises in the future. And the more time you spend online, the more looking back you will do. You gotta get offline and get connected to Jesus so that you can (laughs) fix your eyes on Jesus because He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we must make a decision. I, I'm not going to look back. Why? Because God's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He says in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way. I want you to hear this. I will make a way where? In the wilderness. That's where He makes it. And rivers in the desert. It's what God does. He didn't say, I'm going to take you out of the wilderness. But He also didn't tell you to pitch a tent in the wilderness. He said, I'm going to make I'm gonna make a way in the wilderness. We've created an idol to the wilderness in this generation. I'm like, really? You obviously haven't been in the desert much. He says, I'm gonna make a way. So he's not denying the reality of the existence of a wilderness. He's just saying, you need to look for me in it. I, I, I know you're dry and parched. I'm not, I'm not denying that, but, but you gotta know I create rivers in this place. So what I am is getting up and I'm not denying the wilderness. I'm just going, oh, no, God's made a way. I'm not denying the dryness, but I'm saying, I know there's rivers in it. I'm looking for the rivers and I'm looking. It's not, you don't have to have one or the other. You have one in the other. And God says, I'm doing a new thing. But we prefer God to do the same old thing in a younger version. So we miss the new thing. Because that's kind of Hollywood. Who's the, who's the new up and rising star? Who's the new, which means we just want a younger version of what the old was. It's not, we're not looking truly for the new wineskin. And yet the Lord says, listen, you cannot pour new wine into old wineskin, or you are going to. It doesn't mean that we don't want the old wineskin, it's just that you don't have that working together. God's doing a new thing, a new thing. And so most of us want the same old thing because man, that was comfortable. That was easy, especially living in America. Certain currency being a Christian, man, it was comfort, prosperous ease. I could be prideful, bless God, because we ran everything. And now you go, what happens when you don't? Can you still trust God to make a way in the wilderness? Can you still find rivers in the desert? Oh, absolutely. This is where the fun really begins. Because you get in the Holy Ghost chain. So all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and Amen. They've gone nowhere because Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places and has given us access to every spiritual blessing that is ours, none of that has changed. None of that has changed. But you have gotta be looking for the new thing. He says, do you not perceive it? Because most Christians don't perceive it, the new thing, because we're too busy lamenting the old thing and looking back because it's comfortable. So we have to be willing to let go. You can't lay a hold of the new if you're not willing to let go of the old so that might be letting go of the offense and the pain and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and the disappointment and the discouragement and the disillusionment and the bitterness and the unforgiveness but chris i want to hang on to it Well, you're going to calcify and turn into a pillar of salt that's what's going to happen or you go god i'm going to let go and i'm going to lay it at the foot of your cross and i'm going to allow your holy spirit to do a work on the inside of me to bring change and transformation you have to drop some language like if only, the amount of if only I've heard. And so many of us limit what God can do in our future based on our if only, if only I wasn't divorced, if only that business didn't break, if only they didn't let me down, if only, and I'm like, wow, you mean God's limited by your if only? It's amazing to me. I, I remember it's like so many of us. I, I, when the Lord I felt first asked me to start A21, I remember I was in Greece. I had just popped out my second kid. I was like 40. I was not looking to start anything. I wanted a holiday on Santorini. That's what I wanted. And a purple heart. I'm like, pop out a kid at 40, you need a purple heart. I mean, like seriously. I wish I could say it was really spiritual. I really wasn't. It was a rude interruption. That's how most God things do. It's like I was on my way somewhere else. Peace out. And I'm like, oh, really God? It's mostly how it happens. And so the fact is that I remember though, when I'm getting this sense and I'm like, but God, I can't do this. But God, you know, like I'm 40. But God, I've just had another baby. But God, I live in Australia and that's like really far from Greece. But God, like this is like Russian and Albanian mafia and they like kill people. But God, I don't have a spare 10 million bucks to start this. But God, there's so much corruption in the Greek authorities. But God, trafficking is, uh, yeah, but we all start our big list, I mean, it's not just me, Moses did it. Remember in Exodus chapter three, the Lord's like, I've chosen you to set my people free. And then Moses, I mean, what a dumb answer. But God, I'm not eloquent. God's like, wow, that was gonna be the deal breaker on me past parting the Red Sea. Your, your ability to speak was gonna determine my supernatural ability to part that Red Sea. As if me on my best day could help God do a miracle. I mean, it sounds, it sounds so pious, doesn't it? It sounds so spiritual. But it's actually full of pride. Because what it's saying is my limitations are bigger than God's supernatural ability to do something in us. Well, like, but God, but God, you know what we need in the body of Christ? Seriously, like we need a buttectomy. <laughs> it's like if you go through the list, buttectomy comes just before colonoscopy. It's in the medical dictionary. You can check that over lunch. You can tell this is the last service. Um, so you can have, we need to get our big fat butts out of God's face. That's what we got to do. Because it's not about what I can't do. It's about who God is. And it's about what God wants to do in and through our lives. And you're not going to get there if all you do is keep looking back, keep rehashing. How long are you going to stay in that private Facebook chat? Going over it. How long? Because it's only you that's been calcified in the midst of that. How long are you going to be on that text thread? Going over it, going over it, going over it. And go- How much longer? It's, okay. it's been two years. Amazing to me. I've, I go places and Christians like, well, Chris, this is just this is so hard. I didn't sign up for this. I'm like, what did you sign up for? <laughs> uh, help me to understand because what did I sign up for was if any man come and follow me, he must deny yeah. himself. Yeah. Take up his cross. And follow me. See, that's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for well, this should be easier and it just should be more fun, and it should just be on I'm like, who taught what Bible are you reading? Last I checked, Jesus himself said, In this world, you will, not you might. You will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Might like, you be of good cheer. <laughs> I have overcome the world. I'm like, awesome. Thanks. so amazing to me. Do not be surprised, Peter says, with the fiery trial. Yeah, has it been? Fiery trial? Yes. Why are Christians surprised? Because Pete said a long time ago, don't be surprised. We don't read our Bibles. Now, I'm not at the James level yet. He's like, consider it pure joy. I'm like, you consider it joy, James. Like, I'm not there yet. But it's there. We lost our minds over... An invisible virus that you can't even see? I'm like, wow. How about an invisible God that you can't even see? Do you think He might be a little bit more powerful than an invisible? I don't know. I don't know. So what have I come to say, the world? Well, well, what are we wrapping up with? I'll tell you in um, Exodus 14, 15, let me end with this. It was, I love this passage of Scripture. It's in the NLT. Um, and what happens is, of course, Moses is, on his way out, and he's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And already the children of Israel have started to murmur and grumble and complain. You know, the first, this, the two first things we taught our kids before they could speak, so they could speak. The very first thing I taught them, I wish it was something spiritual, but it really wasn't. But the first phrase I taught them to say was suck it up, Sailor. And I thought, you know, I want them to learn very early on, suck it up. Life does not always go the way you want it to go. So the sooner you learn to suck it up, Sailor, the better of overcoming you. I know my kids will need a lot of therapy. I have a, a fund for them for when they grow up. and. The other thing I told them was, um, you know, when the children of Israel, because from the minute they started coming out, they were murmuring, grumbling, and complaining. And, um, you know, they all ended up dying. So I said to my kids from, you know, probably when they were in my womb, don't murmur, grumble, or complain, because what happens to people that murmur, grumble? And so my kids, like two years old, if they start complaining, Sophia, what happened to the children of Israel because they murmured, grumble, grumbled, and complained? They died, mummy. they died! They died, <laughs> So, Sophia, we died don't murmur, grumble or complain, do we? (laughs) So they already started murmuring, grumbling and complaining as they came out and then they were freaking out because instead of looking forward at the miracle God was gonna do, they started looking back at the chariots and Pharaoh and all his army. And see, when you start looking back at what you should be looking back at, you're gonna hear things that are gonna terrify you and you're gonna see things that are gonna cripple you. And we have so many people crippled and paralyzed and terrified because you're scrolling nonstop, looking at stuff and hearing stuff you shouldn't be looking at and hearing. Because God said, I'm gonna make a way in the wilderness. I'm gonna make a way. And so Moses is like, God, is there like a plan B? Am I gonna have to bother with these people? And then I love what the Lord said. Moses goes to God to complain because the people were complaining. And then the Lord, in Exodus 14, 15, in the NLT, this is my word to the world right now. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I just thought, how nice is God? It's like, seriously? I am over you, will you stop crying out to me and will my church in this hour remember Lot's wife and get moving into the promise and the purpose and the plan that I have for her. It's time to get moving. I know it's been a hard three or four or five or six years, but Jesus has been with us the whole time. Jesus is who we're running towards. Jesus is who we are fixing our eyes on. Jesus is why we are in this adventure. Jesus is the one that is worthy. This is all about Jesus. It always was about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. So it's time to remember Lot's wife and it's time to get moving. I don't know what you need to leave behind. I don't know what you need to leave behind, but perhaps this Sunday would be a great Sunday to go, I'm gonna stop rehashing this. I'm gonna stop longing and lingering for what was. I'm gonna accept the fact that 50% of it, I'm just never gonna understand. And neither am I. But I'm not gonna waste my life on this earth trying to understand what I just can't. I can't work out why some people did dumb stuff and I'm not gonna give it any more of my time. I'm not God, I'm not gonna know. I wish certain people didn't betray me and hurt me, but I'm not gonna spend the rest of my life in bitterness and unforgiveness because they did. So you just gotta make up your mind at some point, I'm not looking back, I'm looking forward. You know, the promise and the purpose of God is what propels us and compels us to keep going. God's still got promises and no matter what disappointment, I'm not minimizing it or dismissing it, it's been hard for everyone. But what I am saying is you don't have to get stuck here. You don't have to get stuck here. All the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. A lot of people broke their promises. A lot of circumstances changed, but Jesus hasn't. So we're all forced to come back to what this is all about and the only one that can actually come through for us, which is Jesus. And if you're up for that, you will step into the promise and the purpose. And if you're not, this is such a defining moment on the earth, you'll get stuck and you'll get calcified and we will move on. (laughs) We will move on. And God's inviting you to move on with Him into the fullness of the promise. Friend, I wonder if you know this Jesus that I'm talking about. I'll just be, one more minute as you're standing. Not do you know about Him, but do you know Him? And if you don't, right here, right now, I just want to give you the opportunity to address the spiritual condition of your heart, the opportunity to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Friend, you were created by God for a relationship with God and it's Jesus that connects us to God. It's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. And if you don't, know Him. This morning, I wanna give you an opportunity to have a fresh start with Jesus Christ. Perhaps for the first time, a friend might have invited you here, or or maybe if you're honest, you once walked with God, but man, it's been been a hard few years. And if you're honest, you've been away from God cold in your heart, maybe even backslidden. This morning, friend, I wanna invite you to stop running from Him, to come home to Him, to make your peace with Him, to move forward into the future that He's got for you. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in unforgiveness or bitterness or shame or guilt or condemnation or disappointment or discouragement or disillusionment. Don't get stuck there. Take the hand of Jesus and walk into the future that He's got for you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, friend, wherever you are. From the front to the back, from the left to the right, friend. In this moment, I'm not talking to the person next to you, I'm talking to you. And if you say to me in this moment, Chris, I want what you're talking about, I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the first time, or you've been away from God cold in your heart, but you're saying, Chris, I want what you're talking about. Let me pray for you, just a very simple but powerful prayer. And if you say, Chris, include me in that prayer right now, I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ. Just so that I know who I'm praying for, would you just raise your hand right now? So you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm seeing hands go up everywhere, beautiful. Keep those hands going up. People saying yes to Jesus, I love that. All the way through here, that's awesome. Keep those hands up high. I'm gonna pray a prayer. Everyone in this room is gonna pray this prayer out loud after me especially all of you with your hands raised, but the rest of us, even believers, are gonna pray this, and we're gonna add our faith to yours as you say yes this morning. So church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand today because I recognize my need for You. I ask that You would forgive me for all of my sins, that You would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.